So this is the Coach Haas Podcast, sponsored by Sports Rehab PA. And today we have another special guest. Mike is really doing some deep, deep sea fishing here, pulling these guys out. So uh, another fantastic guest tonight. We have Matt Mosman. Am I saying that correct? Close enough, Mossman. All right, Mossman. <laughs> Matt Mossman, he is the CEO of Endure Elite. And uh, I'm going to give you a little... I pulled this up on my phone, so I wanted to give a little. He's the chief endurance officer, part scientist, part endurance freak, and dead serious about bringing you high-quality endurance supplements to help you perform your best. So, Mike, you did your due diligence once again. Uh, We're back at it on a Tuesday, which is different for us. Um, But great job. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. What's going on? How was your day? Uh, I was good. I just uh, banged out some two quick uh, blaster workouts uh, fueled by uh, Perform Elite, nonetheless. Now I'm recovering with Recovery Elite. <laughs> uh, you know, with the, whole, with the whole COVID thing going on, I mean, even though my gym's open, I haven't really gotten back there. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff out of the garage. <laughs> And, you know, I'm enjoying the weather, and I realize that mostly during the summer anyway. I'm outside a lot, doing a lot of anyway. I mean, the winter's mostly like the strength mm. and stuff, but now it's just getting out to the park or getting out to the garage, you know. And uh, even at the gym, I go up and bring the stuff outside anyway. So just enjoying the weather and getting these workouts in, you know, getting a good sweat going. So it's amazing what you can accomplish with just a few pieces of equipment, so – I'm I'm new here with the uh, with the product, and I have to say I took it this morning. Uh, this is my second week of getting serious about doing it. Last mm-hmm. week were absolutely hands down three of the best workouts I've had since probably January. Not even kidding. Took it again today. I am still lit up, folks. I I'm ready to start. I'm ready to drop down on the ground and start breaking out burpees for you guys because I am jacked up. This stuff is no joke. Um, That's what I like to hear. It's really, it's it's absolutely amazing. I mean, I've I've tried tons of different products, um, and this is by far. And even the recovery, like uh, Mike's drinking, I got mine over here, uh, but. Good stuff. So I want to I want to welcome you, Matt, and thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, guys. I think this will be pretty uh, pretty fun and interesting. So why don't you give us a little bit of background about this company here that you're the chief endurance officer to? Sure. So Endura Leads, um, it was started in 2017, but I've been involved in the sports nutrition industry. I mean, since the early 2000s. So before I started in Duralite, I've probably worked with every supplement company you've ever heard of. I consulted for them, did formulas for them, wrote content for them, uh, probably did research uh, for them. And then back in 2014, I honestly, I just got tired of giving my best ideas away. And honestly, too, I was tired of making stuff for like the bodybuilding crowd at gym crowd. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, looking at me, I'm an endurance athlete. I'm a skinny bean pole. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to start an endurance supplement company. I'm going to make stuff like nobody has ever made before. And we're really going to see what happens with this. So that's when Endurly was kind of born in 2017. It was all based around first and foremost, quality education and content. So people can come to the site and well, just get that information and feel confident in what they're taking. 
And then two, just to produce innovative, innovative supplements with ingredients that actually work and dosages that actually work. So that's just a, basically a real brief version of uh, how Endure Elite started. Um, you know, my background beyond that as far as education, uh, I got my undergraduate degree in exercise science from Creighton University, master's in exercise physiology um, from the University of California, Pennsylvania with the emphasis on sports nutrition and sports performance. I uh, got a handful of certifications, uh, have done a ton of clinical research both back in college and then when I was consulting and then working for some of these other uh, kind of sports nutrition companies. So I've, I've been around the block uh, a few times <laughs> in, in sports nutrition and, and whatnot. So I know yeah, that Matt is very humble, so you're going to have to pride yeah. a little bit. We're going to have to dig a little bit for one thing. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was, I was briefed. I was briefed on it. Yeah, we're going to dig. I got the poker over here. We're going to get it out. Oh, yeah. you are bro, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool because on that other podcast, I did learn a lot, which is really interesting stuff because it's kind of cool to understand the type of things that you were doing. So it gives a little bit more of a background as to like why you have the experience and knowledge that you do. You know, um, I don't think that you really get that from a lot of other people. They don't, uh, you know, that I feel like maybe their resume might be very superficial or they just don't have as much experience as diving into these deep things like you do, which is very interesting. So I think with, when people talk to you, they feel very confident in getting good knowledge because you're able to kind of back it up with experience and you've actually, you know, playing around with this and you still are. I mean, you're in the lab working with this stuff, you know? Um, and I think that's a big difference. And I don't think a lot of the, athlete or even general public really understands what goes on behind this type of stuff, you know? Yeah. A, a lot of people don't. And that's, I mean, I totally understand it because, you know, most sports nutrition or supplement companies, they're, they're not run. Like I say this very modestly, they're not run by guys like me who have this clinical experience doing the research, being in the trenches, you know, knowing what works and what doesn't. I mean, a lot of the, the supplement companies you see are, guys that are really good at marketing they'll throw together a really crappy formula and they'll hire some you know big famous athlete or bodybuilder promote it and and they're off to the races and i mean you know more than likely it, it probably doesn't work because they don't know what they're doing at all and you know i, I get in trouble for saying that a lot from all my my supplement industry people i work with but it, it's the truth and people should know that i mean you're putting something in your body and you're paying money for it to have some kind of effect. And first of all, you want to make sure it's effective. Or I should say, first of all, you want to make sure it's safe. And second of all, you want to make sure it's effective. And, you know, nobody likes wasting their money. And I feel, you know, a lot of people do do that with their supplement. It's, it's a big waste of money. So I think it's, um, it's kind of the same thing even in my profession. You know, I think after a while when you get a lot of experience and you see things, you know, we'll start to notice because Joe and I talk about this a lot with patients we treat where we'll see an individual go into therapy and then they come to him for the post therapy type rehab where they're going to transition back to the sport and there are still like basic deficits and how did the therapist miss this and it's either they weren't looking closely enough, it was negligence or it's just, you know, maybe they're just not paying attention because they're too overwhelmed with, with volume in their clinic or their company model. So when I explain that, I come to say the same thing, that at this point, you know, with how insurance companies are run and how a profession is seen that, you know, I think that it's important to promote where proper care is. So I'm not scared to kind of say, look, you know, that was 
you know, there was not enough done here or that therapist missed some things or, you know, that treatment plan really wasn't sufficient enough for you and say like, look, you're going to be paying money. I mean, people's co-pays are expensive these days. So they're going to be spending time and money coming and getting treatment. You want to make sure you get in the quality stuff. So yep. I'm the same boat as sometimes you are going to step on toes, but the truth needs to be heard that, you know, what's going on. There is a lot of garbage going on out there, you know, and we need to educate people on what's quality and what's not. You know, yep. so um, would you be able to give a little bit of background as to the type of stuff that you were doing when you first got involved in the nutrition supplement industry, like the type of research things you were doing <clears throat> that basically you were doing kind of for the bodybuilding population and then sparked you into the endurance athlete population, just so you know what type of stuff you were, you were doing? Yeah, absolutely. So my research started back at Creighton University where I did my undergraduate degree, where I was very fortunate to study under a lot, a lot of great mentors. And I, I've mentioned this in other podcasts and one specific individual, Dr. Jeff Stout, he's kind of like a pioneer of, of supplement research and like just sports nutrition and athletic performance research too, just an all around great researcher. So during Creighton, I mean, we did, we did hundreds of studies over the course of my four years and, the first ones that really dealt with supplementation was on creatine, which was becoming wildly popular at the time. Mm -hmm. So we were studying things like, you know, safety of creatine, because at first everybody thought creatine was a steroid. No, it's not. You, you're a creatine con uh, consumer if you're eating meats already, but you know, in supplemental form, it's, it's always scary. So we studied things like creatine safety and then creatine efficacy, like how much was uptaken by the muscles when you ingest it. And then we evolved into like creatine and athletic performance and like power athletes, strength athletes, and then endurance athletes. So really started with creatine. Then we delved into things like uh, caffeine, or we might study like carbohydrate loading uh, strategies for peak performance. We would study like uh, optimal protein consumption for muscle growth and, you know, the soccer players or football players at Creighton University. So, I mean, at Creighton University, like a lot of people don't know this, it just wasn't just, you know, research on supplements. It was research on supplements, training, nutrition. You know, we'd hook people up to metabolic carts, do underwater weighing, do muscle biopsies. I mean, just all very, very fascinating, fascinating stuff. And that's what really sparked my interest because honestly, like, I thought I wanted to be like a physical therapist or doctor when I got out of Creighton. That's why I went to that school because of their excellent programs. But once I got into that and being an athlete, like, I was hooked. I just thought it was absolutely fascinating how you can manipulate certain variables with training, nutrition, and supplementation to produce uh, certain results. So I went through Creighton. Um, right after that, I went to go work for an exercise, as an exercise physiologist at, uh, of all places, Union Pacific Railroad. So I got my testing procedures down a little bit. And then just as things evolved, I got more and more involved with the sports nutrition industry again. Um, and then uh, a company called Muscle Farm came knocking on my door one day and they were looking for good clinical researchers that knew how to run the studies, write the peer reviewed publications, do the recruitment, just, just all that fun stuff. And I was at Muscle Farm for about uh, two and a half to three years. And I mean, we did so many studies on, you know, pre-workouts, proteins, amino acid, testosterone boosters, and all this other stuff. And it, it was great in one aspect because it made me feel pretty comfortable that we were doing the right research, um, you know, to put quality supplements out there, but it kind of fell back under this, this whole, you know, I don't mean, mean to make it sound like a bad thing, but this whole gym mentality of supplements where we were testing stuff like that I knew wasn't going to work. Like I just knew it wasn't. 
and it's just it's just like bullshit. And you tell like the founder of the company, like, hey, you're kind of wasting your money with the study because this is this you know this testosterone booster isn't going to work because the only thing that boosts testosterone is steroids or testosterone. Your, your supplements aren't going to boost testosterone. So I was like, I I just kind of got disillusioned and just like fed up of like you know having you know just telling people like, Hey, this is complete shit, but they still want to push it out and try to get a meaning right, right. or results out of study. And I, I would never compromise my ethics to manipulate data or P hack just to get them results to say, you know, like their, their product, like anal blast 5,000 is going to help you lose 10 pounds of weight or something like that. I mean, I just, I just would never feel right about that. So yeah, I just, I, with my, I, I got a lot of great experience there. Like my time there was great and it really solidified my clinical research skills. And that, so that just opened the door for Foreman and Duralead after I left while still being able to do some consulting on the side for sports nutrition companies to kind of get the company off the ground and then make more connections in the industry and kind of learn more like the marketing side of the supplement industry. So that's kind of how it, yeah, it all, all evolved and kind of how my experiences and education will will be really, really different from probably anybody else you talk to in the supplement industry outside of like a handful of like maybe 10 to 15 people, if that maybe. So what's really interesting is I feel like as fitness has evolved, there really was that big push with, you know, the bodybuilding, you know, the figure competitions, you know, that stuff is still popular, but it was like the fitness, especially coming out of the eighties into nineties, big globo gyms, machines, bow flex, all that. Then all of a sudden CrossFit came in and you had a little bit of the push of starting to combine weightlifting with endurance stuff. And then all of a sudden OCR came into the crash. So now you have all these elaborate forms of fitness. So it's interesting that looking at the supplements, you know, yeah, you always think supplements and you think you got to get jacked, you know, getting big, getting strong. But no one ever thought about supplements to help you maybe run longer, run faster, you know, basically endure high volumes of stuff because you know when spartan race first came out like in it was 2012 to 2014 range they were starting to hit the market and you know like the tough mutter and all that stuff um i don't think people really knew how to really train for this it was kind of a new concept you know and it was uh how do we deal with lifting heavy things and doing obstacles and running and all that so then you look at what type of supplements do i do because i'm pushing all these different types of systems and now, as you know, even with that sport, you have short distance, long distance, but even as well with, um, you know, even like the high school sports now, you look at a lot of the training there. Training is, 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 is changing over. You have field sports that are very anaerobic and, you know, uh, stop and go, stop and go. And we start looking at, you know, um, are there supplements that could benefit there, you know, for that type of, of, you know, sport. So looking at now what, you know, Endurally and that product offers, I think that um, if we could talk a little bit also about your athletic background and how basically, because you're for coming from that perspective saying, you know, as an endurance athlete, you kind of know the things you're going to endure, the things that maybe the body would need and the things that, hey, you know, as an athlete here, I'm thinking about what product can I create to make this better? So I think that'd be kind of interesting. We touch a little bit on what You've accomplished yourself. I feel like that almost maybe sparked a little bit as to why you got into endurance as well. Yeah, yeah. I could talk about that a little bit. And we can talk about like kind of specific demands of specific sports and why different supplements kind of might work better for like the endurance crowd compared to like strength athletes and stuff like that. But yeah, my background is basically as as a runner. 
Um, I started running back in high school after I realized I had zero coordination to play basketball or anything that requires any kind of like, <laughs> any kind of like dynamic movements. Like I can run, I can run I forward. Can, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can, I can run forward and I can run around the oval. I can, I can bike forever and stuff like that. So yeah, it was during, yeah, my sophomore year, I just, I sucked at other sports and my dad just told me, he was like, Hey, there's this two mile record at Kemper high school where I went to, went to school in Carroll, Iowa that's you know stood for you know it was i forget what it was at this point like 30 years and it was fast i'm like jesus christ that's fast how can somebody run that fast but at that time i was like gosh darn it i want that record i want, that record. I, I want it yeah because like yeah. i am i am ocd to the max and like i don't need like external motivation to get things done like my internal drive to get stuff done if i want something is borderline like insanity so like literally that next day, like I started training. I was like, well, I'm just going to run five miles, you know, every day for this month and see what happened. It, it absolutely sucked for the first month. I mean, you know how it goes when you start like a new a fitness program. It just, it just sucks. You know, you're sore, you're tired, you're like, your lungs are burning, things like that. But after that month, you know, it started to get easier. I was like, well, I'm going to run 10 miles a day. And then the 10 miles a day became 20 miles a day. And then, you know, during my kind of peak of high school, I was, I was plugging away like 120 to 140 mile weeks, which is unheard of like in high school, but and, you know, I'm, a, I'm a hick from Iowa. I don't have anything else there to do. <laughs> and I, I wanted to run, but anyways, just run, run, just run. yeah, just run. Like, yeah, I'd be out running people like run forest run. I'm like, yeah, I haven't heard that one before. So, but I just, I just kept, I just kept on running, but yeah, it, it all culminated in my junior year uh, running at the Drake relays where I broke the school record. I think I ran like a nine thirty two two mile and broke the school record by like five seconds. And then, you know, at that point I was just hooked. I knew at, you know, at that point in my life, like endurance sports would play a huge part of my life with, well, just athletics going into college running afterwards running as kind of like a semi pro. And then even in, in my career, I knew it would always kind of revolve around like exercise and, and fitness and stuff like that. So, yeah, once I was done with high school, I went to go run at Creighton uh, University, their cross-country program. You know, I, was, I was decent. I won quite a few meets. I was usually in the top five most meets. Um, yeah, I did the whole exercise science program there. Had tons of, tons of great experiences with the team and then also doing the research and with the program. Um, then afterwards, yeah, when I get my master's, I ran for a shoe company for, God, 10 years, I think, 10 years. Wow. Doing anywhere from 5K, half marathon, marathon, whatever, whatever tickled my fancy and whatnot. And I'm thinking about all these miles. I'm just like stuck over here listening to how many miles you ran in high school. And oh. my brain goes to how did you not sustain any soft tissue injuries? Or did you? And, and like, I'm over here. I'm still stuck. <laughs> on, like, because there wasn't, you, you weren't taking supplements back then. Like, how did you, how did you manage to not have, like, if you were doing that every day? Well, I mean, the problem, well, you can, you can do it like biomechanically. I'm pretty darn efficient. Granted too, like at that time I was a hundred, I was probably 45 pounds lighter. So I was 120 pounds, 5'11". So a lot less impacts. Biomechanics were great. Nutrition was on point. Sleep was on point, but most importantly, in which a lot of athletes neglect to do, is I always followed a periodized training program where I'd have, you know, build up weeks and have a really big down week to let the, myself recover. And like if I was feeling extra worn out, overtrained, or I felt something come on, like 
stop, which most gotcha. people won't do. They'll just like push right through it, right? Yeah. Runners so, just run, 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 right? They don't know how to shut down. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, I was always, always smart with my training. I've always strength trained since, you know, high school too, which I think played a huge part in staying injury free. So it was just a combination of that. And like, I can, I can handle a beating. Like it just, it's never really affected me that much just because of, I mean, sticking to training principles that, you know, work or that are kind of demonstrated by the research to really work. And yeah, you just could, just could chug out those miles. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, That's a lot. Real quick, can we can we hear those PRs, Matt? Let's hear those. Oh PRs. God! <laughs> Mike's been telling me I want to hear some of these things. I listen. Right. I I did hear I I did hear the uh, the podcast earlier or last week, and I did hear one of them, and I was like, my son, my younger son, uh, played soccer, and uh, when they had to run their two mile test, he ran it in a twelve twelve, which was like a six six split. Yeah, and he was right on the money with him, and he was flying. So he, Mike, told me about some of your numbers. So, <laughs> oh, let's see if I can remember here. So I was um, four hundred five miler, uh, eight thirty two wow. miler, uh, mid fourteens five care, high twenty nine ten care. Uh, 104, 105 half marathon, low two twenty marathon. Um, I, I've done, I did some ultra marathons, which like, I don't even remember those, but I know I won them. I won one drinking. Somebody bet me I couldn't win an ultra marathon eating pizza and drinking PBRs, but I, I, by golly, I proved them wrong. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it does work on pizza and beer. Yeah. Hey, when the, when the fire's hot, you can burn anything. <laughs> That's right. That's, oh, wow. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I ran. Well, to my, in my, I was about low thirties or about 30 years old. And at that point, honestly, like I told myself, whenever running stopped becoming like fun, like competitive running, that's kind of when I'd stop and just train for fun. Cause I was at the point, like, that's all I was doing. I was hungry all the time and it was getting exhausting. And I had just other things I wanted to pursue. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a good run, had a lot of fun. I think I did my best, but now it's kind of time to move on to some, some other things. Um, so yeah, nowadays, now I how just, often do you run now? How, I mean, do you still run? Yeah, I'll, I'll run three or four times a week. I'll strength train three times a week. I'll, I'll mountain bike three times a week. Usually just have a good mix of everything. And just, I think, especially as you age, especially as an endurance athlete, that strength training becomes a key component to keep muscle uh, tissue quality up. And I think just to let your body recover a little bit more, cause you know, endurance training can kind of beat the snot out of you pretty good. Mm-hmm. We're hearing a key term there, strength training. That's that's key strength training. These these high school and these college athletes, you know, uh, that'll be something we'll get into a little bit later about the constant pounding of the sport specific. But we have a little background now, so we know a little bit of what you've been doing. Uh, created the Endure Elite, um, and then you know you have a nice endurance background with some fast times. So <laughs> can we can we touch a little bit on? get into some nutrition mm-hmm. i think the big thing that a lot of people um get mixed up in because there's stuff all over the place now internet garbage magazines when you're waiting in in the food market they got you know the people magazine or the men's health magazine with all the bloated remarks on there about what's hot what's not you know yep. let's hear from you if you could break down so we could kind of get it right on the table <clears throat> different uh sources of fuel 
and what they're fishing for. So we kind of hear, you know, the carbs, the fat sources, the protein, you know, what, what, you know, how they're broken down the body, what they use for athlete specifics. People kind of hear, you know, basically from you, what, what, what the deal is. Gotcha. Do you want to talk about it in like a sports specific context? Like, uh, you know, like, uh, runner versus like a soccer player endurance based strength or you just want to talk about like macronutrients in general yeah i mean we could talk about the sources in general what they are and then how they might differ you know depending on between athletes yeah, yeah. yeah. so they okay. just, people can understand yeah sure so we can just do like general macronutrients first so everybody knows the three macronutrients are carbs you know protein and fat and the way they use i mean it will really depend on which energy system in the body you're talking about so three energy systems in the body, ATP, PC system, or the, the adenosine triphosphate phosphocreatine system. This one runs specifically on creatine phosphate. It's used for like really high energy, short explosive bouts of exercise. So you think like a, a balls to the wall sprint for like five seconds. So really no macronutrient plays into that one. Like at any point of exercise, you're using all of your, your systems and using some of the fuel from each, but really depending what you're going to use or what your body is going to use, it's going to depend on intensity and duration. So the first thing we look at is carbs. Uh, carbs, primary fuel source and the only fuel source that can be used for anaerobic glycolysis. So exercise lasting 30 seconds to roughly three minutes at a very high intensity. So you're thinking about 85 to 90, you know, 85 and percent above of uh, VO2 max. Uh, carbs burn the most efficiently. Can be used in anaerobic glycolysis. They can also be used in the, the third uh, energy system, basically aerobic metabolism or something you call the Krebs cycle, where carbs can be broken down and cycled through to produce something called ATP, which is ATP simplest thing is energy without it you die like everything requires atp so carbs can be used in both those systems um what else was i going to say about carbs most people don't know this i mean i love carbs and they're the perfect fuel source for endurance athletes because they do burn a lot more efficiently you can use them for anaerobic metabolism and aerobic metabolism but carb is actually you don't need carbs you don't have to have them it's the only like unnecessary macronutrient but that's just a side point and then you go on to <clears throat> protein, which are just basically chains of, of amino acids, right? So protein, uh, main role with protein for any athlete is basically to, to help muscle repair and recovery. When you ingest protein, it, it stimulates something called muscle protein synthesis, which is kickstarts that body and just says, hey, dummy, it's time to start repairing. So what happens during muscle protein synthesis is you get little satellite cells that come bind to the muscle tissue and depending on how much protein you have, it either helps with the recovery, or if you're a strength training and you're eating enough protein, it helps the muscle fiber get big and you know hypertrophy or muscle enlargement occur. Um, protein can be used for a fuel source, but only if glycogen slash glucose is uh, low. Those uh, amino acids can be basically turned into ATP, ATP through a process called gluconeogenesis. Yeah, it's not very efficient, but it, it helps, you know, if, like I said, if you're running low on fuel. So uh, protein can only be broken down and used in uh, aerobic metabolism. We're going through the, the Krebs cycle. And then you come to um, the fats or free fatty acids or triglycerides, um, whatever you want to call them. Uh, fats can be used during low intensity exercise. So there's always this big continuum as you go from, you know, 
less intense to more intense, you're going to see the shift of the fuels being used from, you know, more fats, basically up to more carbohydrates. So, yep. So if you're operating at about, I don't know, just you're running really easy. You're warming up 50 to 60% of max heart rate. You're going to see, you know, uh, fats being used a little more heavily to basically create this ATP to fuel muscular contractions. So you can, you know, run lift or whatever. And then you start to get up to about 70% of maximum heart rate. And then you're kind of seeing, you know, it more gravitating towards carbohydrates. Then you get to 75%. You see the shift for more predominantly carbohydrates, a little less fat. And then you just keep on going up and that continuum kind of goes along. Um, you know, with, with fat, I mean, it's an excellent fuel source for low intensity exercise. It, it represents a pretty much unlimited energy source, you know, with muscle glycogen um, from carbohydrates. With energy, you can store about eh, 600 to 900 grams of that in the muscles, but like fat, the amount of fat you can store even for a lean person, you, you could run for days on it. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the, kind of the, the different macronutrients and how they're used by the, the energy systems in the body. And the thing you just got to remember here is like the macronutrient that's be, being used for fuel is intensity and duration really specific. So... And then you look at, you know, like requirements for athletes between all those, these macronutrients. So let's just look at an endurance athlete. And I know this will be different for some people. This is just kind of a, you know, a rough estimate based on the research, which is shown to be pretty effective for, you know, for talking about performance. This is what has been shown to be most effective. So with an endurance athlete, depending on what kind of training cycle you're in, how intense or how many, like, say, miles you're running, you're going to want to consume anywhere from about 1.2 to 1.6 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight daily. Or if you don't want to do the whole metric system baloney, you can look at about six to 10 grams per kilogram body weight daily. So if you're in a really hard training cycle, you might be up towards the upper end where if you're in kind of like, you know, base training or recovery mode, you might be down towards that lower end. So that's kind of like basic carbohydrate requirements for endurance athletes. And the whole purpose here to eat that many is to resaturate muscle glycogen stores so you're ready to hit the next session hard um, and you're, you're fully ready to do so. So that's carbs. Um, with protein, you know, I would look at about for an endurance athlete, again, depending on if you're just running or if you're strength training or concurrent training on top right, of that, right. um, you would probably want to look about – you know, 20, max 25% of your total calories from protein or about, oh God, I mean, I would go a little bit below like one gram per kilogram body weight. Um, I'm sorry, per pound body weight daily. And that should be enough to, to optimally stimulate muscle protein synthesis and help you recover. And then with fat, that's a little bit interesting with endurance athletes. Um, so let's, if we do the macronutrient breakdown so far, I'd say like 50% carbohydrates, 20% protein, and then 30% fat. And fat is, fat is pretty interesting. I mean, it plays a lot of roles in like hormone production and a lot of other cool physiological things in the body. But it also is, you know, it's a more dense nutrient. And, then, and as endurance athletes, sometimes we just have a hard time eating enough, right? <laughs> so... When you compare fat to carbs and protein, uh, carbs and proteins will have basically four kilocalories per gram, where fat will have nine kilocalories per gram. So not only does fat taste delicious, it's more nutrient dense, 
And then also like if you're in a really hard training session, there's a lot of cool research out there that shows like eating a higher fat diet during harder training sessions can actually lead to quicker times uh, as far as recovery and actually boost performance just because you basically have more fuel in the system. So that's, that's kind of like your, your general macronutrient breakdown for endurance athletes. Now, if you go to more like a, a strength athlete, let's just talk about maybe like a football player and then we can circle back around and kind of talk about the people in the middle, like soccer players or, or, you know, field hockey players or something like that with football players. You think of the nature of the sport and then you kind of think, you know, what you eat as a diet is really dependent on the demands of the sport. So what's, what's a lot of football like? It's a lot of quick explosive movements that last what 10 to 15 seconds, maybe followed by a rest. So a lot of that you're using the ATP PC system and maybe anaerobic glycolysis, but not to the extent, especially with anaerobic glycolysis, like an endurance athlete. So with like, say a football player, his carbohydrate requirements are going to be, you know, a little bit lower. You might be looking at four to six grams per kilogram body weight daily, because you still need that glycogen to power those explosive movements, but you don't need so much to keep you going for like a prolonged amount of time, like at a consistent like pace where you're just, you're going as opposed to like, you know, starting and stopping. So that would kind of be, that would be a kind of like a carbohydrate requirement again for a football player. With protein, you know, you're going to go a little bit higher than an endurance athlete because as a football player, you're wanting to develop more explosive power and strength. Maybe you're looking to put on a little more muscles to accomplish that goal. So with that, I mean, with football player, protein requirements, generally speaking, uh, this, is, this is all according to the International Society of Sports Nutrition, just so you know I'm not throwing numbers at you guys <laughs> and making stuff up like, <laughs> like sure, sure. Yeah, just uh, Yeah, so I'm not making stuff up here. Um, you're looking at about, you know, 1.8 to two grams per kilogram body weight daily of, of, of protein. And that's basically, you know, to not only help the muscle recover, but also to repair and build. So you get that muscular hypertrophy and, you know, with the, the larger muscle fibers or greater cross-sectional area of a muscle fiber, you can produce more power and more strength. So, you know, with, the macronutrient breakdown so far with a, uh, say like a football player, you're looking at about maybe 30 to 40% of daily calories from carbs, maybe a little bit higher depending on the season, 25 to 30% um, from protein. And then the remainder um, from fat. Yep. Now when you find, when they find those numbers, when they're doing research, what are they just kind of, experimenting with different weighted athletes and giving them on certain diets and seeing their performance? Like how do they come to find those numbers? Yeah. So like, say like with the carbohydrate requirements for endurance athletes, you can actually do like, you can test the saturation of muscle glycogen after like high consumption of carbohydrate of a day or if like your carb loading and things like that. Um, with, you know, say like protein, you can test the muscle protein synthesis response to protein ingestion. So when you ingest like protein with muscle protein synthesis, you'll see like kind of a gradual curve. And then right around 30 minutes, it'll start to peak. And then depending on how much protein you eat and the type of protein you eat, that muscle protein synthesis response can be elevated and slightly declined for about uh, three hours so that you can test you know things like that 
Um, you can test markers of muscle damage. Obviously, you can test like hypertrophy and things like that in response to, you know, increased protein consumption. Um, there's there's like all sorts of cool things you can do to to gauge like, or as you as you asked, where do these where do these numbers come from? Like, how do they know this? Well, that's that's how they know just just based on the amounts of clinical research that have been done on it. I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff out there um, in sports nutrition on on all this stuff. So looking at the high school college athlete who is going to maybe compete in field sport or even, you know, uh, any of any of the sports that they're going to be doing, uh, maybe it's a soccer, field hockey or basketball, um, or maybe even they're doing track and field and they're not so much a long distance runner, but they're like a sprinter or maybe mid distance, 800, even a miler. You know, um, I think the hang up is a lot of the kids, even the parents, they don't know what to eat. So they wind up eating junk. They eat uh, cheddar flavored goldfish and uh, (laughs) combos and like just the shit they could find that's easy to walk down. And then they feel like crap. I mean, when I've gone over to just, you know, see some of the athletes at uh, the gym that Joe's working at, you know, some of the um, athletes come in, you know, and they just look like they're ready to pass out. Like, did you eat anything? Like, yeah, had like you know, some of that crap, like an hour. Ago. I get it. I get it. I had it. I get it. Here, here's some of the, here's some of the ones I get. I get, uh, I had a granola bar. Okay. I'm like, Ooh, that you probably we burnt that walking in the door. <laughs> um, I had, uh, I had a bagel. I'm like, okay, cool. Anything on it? No. I'm like, that's boring. You know, like put something in it, peanut butter, whatever, something with some, you know, some sustained, uh, energy to it um and then sometimes i'll get like a pop tart or something like <laughs> I, i'm like you're gonna be here for 90 minutes a pop tart is not gonna get you very far um, no yeah not so, at all and the, and the problem with like a lot of that stuff is is like you know you you, you think about the foods you mentioned um you know, the pop tarts, the, the bagels, the granola bars, you know, I see a ton of kids like eat gummy bears and candy. And what they're doing is like, I mean, they're getting a huge spike in like blood glucose and then a huge dip where you can get in like a hypoglycemic state. So you feel like absolute trash when you, when you start your workout, which is, which is no good. Like, it's, it's just not the right fuel, especially like if you're going to be in there for 90 minutes working hard. I mean, that's, that's just no bueno. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, a guy that's coming in to do, you know, some strength training for like, let's say like 60 minutes and you might be doing, oh, compound sets, or you might be doing power movements or just whatever it may be. You want to think like, well, what fuel is going to help me like, perform my best, not feel like trash and recover afterwards. And so I feel solid blood uh, glucose stays even keel the whole time. And in something like that scenario, like if you have like a banana just to kind of get the blood glucose a little bit elevated and you balance that out with like 30 grams of like a high quality whey protein shake to kind of stimulate that muscle protein synthesis, I guarantee you, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better during and after your training session, like performance wise and recovery wise, as opposed to like, you know, eating a pop tart and then going and, you know, eating ice cream afterwards or eating whatever else. So like, a I, protein shake before the workout could be a good option. That is like strength specific. Like I would do that for strength training. 
Now, you, if you were an endurance athlete, on the other hand, and let's say you're going into like an interval training session or a race and depending like, you know, how much time you have to eat, what type of gut you have, like ideal, ideal scenario for an endurance athlete going into a hard workout that's lengthy or a race that's lengthy is you want to slam like 200 to 300 grams of carbohydrates about three to four hours before your race to basically top off glycogen stores. And then even leading up, you know, the two hours before I might eat another another 50 grams then like an hour before i might eat another 20 grams so and then you know talking about can we look at like maybe just like some like a basic pasta not with like some crap ragu sauce or whatever which is a <laughs> violation to an italian like myself you know, I yeah say ragu you better not be touching ragu yeah exactly but you know and depends like some of the kids might have like gluten intolerance so we're just looking at <laughs> options and they could get me with a gluten-free choice we're talking like pasta, rice, you know, couscous, like what could be some good things they could put in like a Tupperware and eat on the go or something, maybe just some options, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, with any of this stuff, like with that kind of like pre-race or pre-workout meal, so let's, let's just assume like these high school kids, you know, have practice at three o'clock. So, you know, for their lunch, you, you want quick digesting carbohydrates and maybe a little bit of fat and protein. You don't want to go overboard on the fat and protein, especially for endurance athlete, because that can cause GI distress because it takes basically has a greater thermic effect of food. So it takes a lot more energy to break down. So it could be sitting in your gut. So you want to stick with quick digesting carbohydrates. So like you would want to avoid things like this is a bad example for lunch, but like things like oatmeal, like a complex carbohydrate that might just sit in your gut and like it's just like a trickle feed effect. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, pastas would be good. Uh, rice would be good. You know, bread, I mean, is good. Most people like go poo-poo on white bread, but white bread, I mean, it has a high glycemic index, which is perfect for an endurance athlete when you're balancing that with other stuff. Um, and then like fruits and vegetables, like you can never go wrong with like fruits and vegetables, like the bananas, the strawberries, like a cup of orange juice, um, a high quality sports drink. Not that, not that, you know, crap that I won't mention that's just sugar water and salt but like a high quality sports drink like you know an hour beforehand just so you coming in a, in a you hydrated state with you know a little bit of carbs and things like that too so I mean that's that's kind of how you're looking at the different types of scenarios again for the strength athlete compared to like an endurance athlete as far as what you want to consume you know coming into a workout session now if you're the type of endurance athlete that you just you can't eat like three to four hours before a meal you just kind of want to try to do your best to load up the day before, eat a good breakfast, and then come afternoon and like just eat stomach what you can, honestly. Again, the quick digesting carbohydrates, make sure you're hydrated. And maybe that's something you work on too, is you there's there's a whole body of cool research like of training your gut, like yeah. which is just this is like yeah. fascinating. And work on that. And I mean, I've worked with a ton of athletes that have seen significant, significant improvements in performance by being able to tolerate a large, you know, pre-race meal as an endurance athlete of that 200 to 300 grams of carbs of quality, you know, for the most part, quality carbs, not just junk. Right. So, so I'm not off too much when these kids come in and they're like, well, okay, well, I mean, cause when these kids come in to see me, they're typically there at 75 to 90 minutes. They yep. go through, you know, they do some power stuff because we're jumping uh, they're doing strength training and then they're always finishing up with some type of cardio program. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, what do I, you know, what can I eat? If, and I'm always like the go-to apple and peanut butter. 
Banana yep. and peanut butter. Are, I mean, am I off with those or am I good with those? No, you're, you're good with those because, again, as a strength athlete, you may, like, if you're talking about what they eat beforehand, that, yeah, that's, that's absolutely perfect because, again, you get those quick digesting carbohydrates in the event, like, you go into anaerobic glycolysis, whether you're doing, like, some speed training or something like that. Mm-hmm. But then you kind of have that peanut butter that's more satiating. that gives you kind of that, that, that full effect. Um, you know, the peanut butter probably won't help much with performance-wise, but it may help prevent kind of like that, that empty stomach feeling and whatnot Correct. where you feel like they're bonking. So, that, I mean, that's, that's like an absolutely perfect, like, snack to have beforehand. And then if you're going to be in there for, like, 75 to 90 minutes, you know, with, like, a soccer player or a strength athlete, I may recommend just, like, sipping on, like, a carbohydrate beverage with a little bit of a, a branched-chain amino acids in there. Mm-hmm. So when you go into that cardio session at the end, you have a little bit more fuel in your system. Gotcha. And then also you're not counteracting, like, because running is, running is, like, very catabolic, right? It breaks down muscle like no other. Like, strength training and, and running when done concurrently on the same day is is – it's, it's good, but they don't like one another. Like one's really very <laughs> anabolic and one's very catabolic. So that's as a strength athlete. OCR, OCR training. It's a mix of both. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you're ending your session with like a cardio uh, workout, especially like long, slow cardio, it might not be bad to have a, a few branched chain amino acids in your system to kind of reduce that muscle protein breakdown or, or catabolic effect. Now, if you're doing like HIIT training, then it doesn't matter so much. Um, maybe a little bit, but yeah, long, slow cardio is the killer of all of all muscle and strength gains. Um, but it, it's a hard though. Like with a soccer player, you're doing a little bit of both, right? You're right. You might be right. running for prolonged times. You might be strength training. So in that case, and that's that's kind of an interesting point with a soccer player. I know we talked about like the macronutrient breakdowns for like. Uh, endurance athletes like runners and then strength athletes but soccer players like in other field sports are going to fall right in the middle of that for like your macronutrient consumption so as like a soccer player um you may be consuming like that six to eight grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight daily your protein range will be like that 1.6 to 1.8 grams per kilogram body weight and then the fat is about the same you know regardless of the sport um so it's 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 a difficult mix like it con- concurrent training is very hard like to nail. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, if you do it too frequently or too intensely can, can lead to overtraining. So, yeah. you know, doing it smartly and then also balancing that with proper nutrition is really key to help you to, again, to, to prevent overtraining so, and to help accomplish the goals. Yeah. So the take home message would be that, you know, a lot of these kids, high school, college level for these sports should start trying to train their gut, playing around with better food options, whether it's before a practice or maybe just a Saturday morning thing they're going to do by themselves at the park and just see how they feel or start thinking about those new options. Because, I mean, the other thing, too, especially with that high school population is also a lot of the insecurities about image. So they think bread's going to make them fat, but they don't understand about the energy that, that they're that eats. so this is a fuel source it's not like they're sitting on the couch eating pounds of bread and yep. you know they're going to train but the other thing too is with these organized sports and this is nationally it's not just in our area you know there is a push for consistent engagement in the sport so it's like three seasons of soccer or three seasons yep. of this it's club school and then another club or something so they're doing soccer all year round 
basically like being a full-time athlete without being paid for it. So they have to understand that as Joe and I hammer them with the understanding of the strength training and maintenance in their bodies so they can perform. It's also a nutrition aspect. If you want to go, go, go and compete, you have to look at what these successful, even professional athletes are doing that when they're successful, they're doing the right things in nutrition and they're taking care of themselves and giving themselves the right fuel sources to be able to, to stay up to these demands basically. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the way you got to look at it, it's hard. Like you mentioned before, there's so much crap on the internet of like, you know, fitness celebrities telling you what to eat, like Gwyneth Paltrow telling you to eat like goat balls before a workout. I don't even know, like just bad example, but like, it's just like the asinine crap you hear, like, it's hard to know what to believe, but the way you got to look at it as an athlete is you got to look at it like, I fuel to perform like I don't just like eat to eat or shove garbage down my face just to like get calories like eat for how you want to perform and it I guarantee it it will make a huge difference in your performance and especially your recovery and if you can recover and perform consistently day in and day out you will become a phenomenally better athlete and like and I understand too like eating healthy and fueling properly is, is hard sometimes. Sometimes it's easy just to like grab a pop tart, but I mean, it's just like anything else. It's, it's a habit. You, you got, you have to get in the habit of fueling to perform and whether that means like meal prepping or like having your parents, you know, go to the store and get a specific list of items that, you know, you want to eat for breakfast or take before you work out. I mean, just, just start with baby steps too. Maybe try to change your nutrition strategy before the workout and then go back around and change like how you eat breakfast or certain foods you have at dinner and things like that, because it can be, it can be very overwhelming. But I mean, once you, once you get it really dialed in with your nutrition, it is, it is an absolute game changer. So I've seen so many athletes that are so genetically gifted that ate like crap. Like they could have been, even even better, like significantly better if they would have, you know, put down the Pop-Tart. <laughs> so what about these diet fads? There was paleo, now there's keto. I mean, I've heard you talk about it, but, you know, a lot of these kids hear that and they're like, this is what I got to do. And then, yeah, you get the Instagram influencers who are pushing this diet. And the reality is is some of these, these uh, guys and girls don't even do the diet. They're just getting paid by a company to promote it because they look good and they're eating other stuff, you know. So that's what's funny. Yeah, it's it's really funny. Like that's like these fad diets like are enough to make you know me tear my hair out because I'm gonna just like say this one time. There is no magic diet that is gonna work for anybody that's gonna like have you go from average Joe to pro in like a day. I mean, whether you're keto, whether you're vegan, whether you're high carb, whether you're you know the McDonald's and Dairy Queen diet or whatever you see, like it's it's not going to make you you know overnight a, a phenomenally better athlete. Like the the most practical advice I have for any athlete with their diet is like everything in moderation. It is it is not hard. Like it really isn't you know, eat according to the demands of your sport. So whether that means more or less carbohydrates, more or less protein, more or less fat, eat to the demands of your sport. Ignore like this fad, like BS, like take for example, like keto. My God, keto has been pushing our faces like for the last five to six years. And like inherently I, I don't have a problem like with keto. It does have some practical applications for like, 
body composition and maybe people with like metabolic disease, but as an athlete, like keto is a terrible idea, especially as an endurance athlete or a soccer player. Because I mean, what is keto? High fat, moderate protein, really low carbs. And, you know, as I mentioned before, anaerobic glycolysis can only run on carbs. So guess what? If you're a 5k runner and you're on keto, you are going to be on the struggle bus from the time the start the gun goes off because by anaerobic glycolysis cannot use free fatty acids. Now, if you're an ultra marathon runner, that might be a different story. Like if the intensity is low, keto might be a, a decent diet for you, but you know, from practical experience, from what I've seen, what it's not a great diet for hardly any athlete. It's extremely hard to like stay on it because donuts and cake and breads are delicious. <laughs> and yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not a good fit uh, for an athlete at all. And so then this is, this is a good like segue into like talking about like some of the background, like we're talking about all these other things, but like, I don't know a lot about your products. I know about the pre-workout and I know about the recovery that I got over here on my right and left. Um, but are these products that you have, are they safe for the athletes that, that Mike and I mainly are working with that high school athlete? Um, you know, and, and what ones would you recommend if they are like good for the high school athlete? Yeah. Let me, let me answer that in like a two pronged approach. The first thing, like with any high school athlete under the age of 18, like I always recommend to get the consent from your parents to start trying like supplements. And then even if you want to consult with your physician, because believe it or not, and like I've said this in another podcast and you'll never hear another supplement guy say this is like, you don't need supplements. Like that's why they're called supplements. They're there to supplement the diet. They may feel a unique need, or provide a slight ergogenic benefit, but you don't need them. The key of your foundation for athletic performance, you know, training, sleeping, eating properly, minimizing stress, resting. That's, 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 that's the whole basis of it. So, um, so always get the, yeah, always get the consent of your parent physician if you need to, but to answer your, your question more accurately, yes, like all the products that I make are extremely safe. And the reason why is, you know, one, I don't put any like gray area ingredients in my products. Like a lot of these other companies do like SARMs or like all these questionable ingredients that don't have a lot of research on them. The ingredients that I put in all my supplements have a lot of research behind them as far as, you know, number one safety and number two, like the efficacy of them as far as like the proper dosage and things like that. So that's the safety part. Number one, or three at the two, three is like with all the raw ingredients I put in my product, I have them tested before they're even made into a product. So when they come into my basically manufacturing facility, we test each product to make sure each ingredient to make sure it is what it is like creatine. Like I can't tell you how many times I've seen creatine roll through a facility. It's like half sawdust. Like, so we test this. Whoa. Yeah. So like if we get something and it doesn't meet our quality specifications, we ship it right back to their ass and be like, you're done. They're like, we, like we cut that ingredient supplier like right away if that ever happens. We don't, we don't mess wow. around. So we'll do that once we know that the ingredient is 
is actually what it says it is. Then we go on to test for banned substances in each ingredient because in the supplement industry, like cross-contamination happens all the time, whether knowingly or unknowingly. You know, I've seen over the years, a lot of supplements spiked with things that shouldn't be like, like SARMs or steroids and things like that. So we'll test for banned substances. And then, you know, after that point, uh, we'll do the blending, we'll do the manufacturing. And then the final step is again, once again, to test the product to consider the right mixture, make sure there's no banned substances and then test for like heavy metals, E. coli, um, and things like that. Um, and a lot, a lot of companies don't do that, which is very scary. And the reason why they don't do it is it's, it's extremely expensive to do it, like to do all this testing. And, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, Matt, your products are so much more expensive than, you know, X pre-workout over here. I'm like, well, yeah, because I do all this testing behind it. And it's my, my reputation at stake, not, not only that, but your safety at stake too. Like, I'm not going to give you something that could be potentially harmful to you or, you know, kill you, which has happened like with some supplements. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we take, you know, making our supplements very, very seriously, like in terms of like, again, the, the research demonstrated ingredients, the dosages, uh, the safety of it, like, not that I would do it, but I would, I would feel safe given my, my six-year-old, my pre-workout, not that I would ever do that, I would but love I would. That. <laughs> Endless energy for days. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I would just like incur any, like, even if it's not in Durley products, like if you're looking at a supplement, you know, I, I know it's hard, but I would always encourage you just to do your own research on it. And examine.com is an excellent resource for that for parents or for kids to so check that out because they're straight shooters. They don't accept outside money from like supplement companies and they'll tell you if the supplement works or if it's, if it's safe or not. What's um, the name of it? It's examine.com. Examine.com. Now, now you also have on the Endurly website, uh, if you go to the um, educate yourself, there is a breakdown of what to look for, for in proteins and creatines, basically what stuff to look for like on the label so you can know basically what are the right things. So it's not some BS product, you know, um, if you want to explain a little bit about like the proprietary blends and, you know, you go to like a fitness expo, obviously, you know, before COVID happened, but you see all these yeah. products around. There's all these things like, like Gorilla Gains. I, some of these products I've sent you before, like, you know, Explode RX, you know, and like all this shit. And it's got like some hot chick on the front. Oh, yeah. So how do you know what's in this crap? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can talk about that. But yeah, the Endurly, like, Endurly website is, is a great resource too, not to delve off topic because, I mean, with Endurly, like, before we even started supplements, our main goal was to produce, like, quality education and content so you can go to the site and find out, like, hey, is this supplement legitimate? How much should I be taking if it is? And um, things like that because going on to the next point, there's a shit ton of scams in the industry, like, that probably 95% supplement companies use one method or another. So the biggest one that you mentioned is a proprietary blend. And what a proprietary blend is, is you'll look on the back of a supplement, the bottle of supplement, you see the supplement facts panel and you might see like extreme energy blend, like 5,000 milligrams. And you'll see like a mega ton of like ingredients listed in this blend. But the problem lies in is they're not telling you 
how much of each of those you were ingredients you're getting. You're just seeing like 5,000 milligrams of total ingredient with not the breakdown. So you may see things like, I don't know. Usually with the way proprietary blends work is they put dirt cheap ingredients first because they could literally put 4,999 milligrams of glycine as the first ingredient and they could sprinkle the other 20 ingredients in there to make the 5,000 milligrams. So if you ever see, yeah, a proprietary blend on the back of a supplement facts panel and the first few ingredients are like uh, amino acids, not that there's anything wrong with amino acids, they do play a part, but like a cheap amino acid like glycine and then you see like something like creatine at the very bottom, like run away very, very quick because more than likely, you're not getting an efficacious dose of that ingredient. And like the, the BS excuse most companies will give you is like, we don't want to give you our top secret formula, poppycock. Like I can send that to a lab and like I can spend a thousand dollars and learn exactly what's in there and like blow the whole lid off thing, but I can't, don't want to get sued. So I can't do that. Otherwise I would have by now. So that's, that's a proprietary blend. And like a lot of the companies, you know, still use that as opposed to being like fully transparent on their labels. Like, like we are like, we'll list every single ingredient and the exact dosage of yeast. So there's, there's no guesswork. So that's, that's one part. And then the other part too is, you know, a supplement company may be transparent with their supplement. They'll tell you each ingredient and they'll list the dosages. But you may notice like the dosage is way too low to do anything like, so take for example, uh, beta alanine, for example, we know that 3.2 grams daily is, is kind of the, the spot where you want to be at. Like I see pre-workouts all day long that have like 500 milligrams of beta alanine. You're, you're, you're eliminating that by going to take a piss. Like it's not going to do anything. Like it's just, it's just mind blowing. So on the surface, like the ingredients might look good. They might not be a proprietary blend but then the doses are way too low to do jack squat um, with anything. So that's something you really got to pay attention to too. So the proprietary blends, the low dosing, and then like with one of the most popular supplements out there, I think we can agree like whey proteins are a very popular supplement, whey protein all day long. People want whey protein, but a lot of people don't know whey protein can be vastly different in terms of like the protein quality depending on the type of like whey protein you're getting. So you have whey concentrates, whey isolates, and whey hydrosylates. Now the whey isolates and the whey hydrosylates, you can usually never go long because they have to be 90% pure protein. They have to be. But the problem comes in with whey concentrates, which is the most popular form of protein on the market. By definition, a whey concentrate can be anywhere from 20 to 80% pure protein. Now, the 80% pure protein is great, but guess what a lot of companies will do to save money? They'll use a shitty 20% whey protein concentrate, and then what they'll do is they will basically do something called amino spiking, where they'll add these cheap amino acids in, because then when it goes to testing, these amino acids will artificially like spike the actual protein value. So they can state like 25 grams on the label, but in actuality, you're probably getting eight to nine, which is total wow. BS, total shady, but it's perfectly legal. And supplement companies will do that for their benefit at your expense, which is, is just complete crap. Like I understand why the supplement industry has a pretty bad reputation because a lot of shitty stuff happens. 
Wow. So that leads into how basically I got even in contact with Matt from Endurally. He started, I think, liking some stuff on Instagram, and I saw that some of the pro athletes had already been using it, had seen, you know, the product. So I started asking him a little bit about it to find out because I always were turned off to pre-workout because I saw the crap that they were using like CrossFit. They were using um, this like NO Explode and they got the Bang Energy Drink and like <laughs> my buddy Mark at the gym was using this stuff and like I told him when I first met him, I was like, I see these guys using stuff and we're like five minutes of the workout and they're running to the bathroom ready yep. to pull their colons out. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So I'm like, I wanted to know more about this. So he started to explain and provided the education behind it and basically all the ingredients in it and why, they, what they were used for and, and what their purpose was, you know, so I think that kind of leads us into, can you explain Matt about your products? Bada bang! Bada bang! Bada bang. <laughs> what's the, what's the, the secret with the, uh, with the ingredients? Like why is performally, you know, unique and, and like what is in it that works and that's safe and, no, uh, you know, I guess the benefits are people going to watch. That's what people ask, you know, like, what's in it? And, like, why? Yeah, there you go. So there the we go. Me and Joe are both holding up performally. But, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. As if, yeah. As if yeah. right, I forgot about the people that aren't watching it. Right, I'm holding up a <laughs> – Well, performally was the first product. That's where we started, right, because you wanted something unique. Yeah, so most, like, traditional, like, endurance sports nutrition companies, you know, you see – for some reason, they've, they've always been afraid of, like, pushing the boundaries of the way they formulate. So most sports nutrition companies for endurance athletes always revolved around, like, sports drinks, gels, waffles, chews, which are, which are, which are great. Like, they, they definitely have their place. But, like, yeah, with Performally, like, I didn't – like, when I started Endurly, I didn't feel like anybody – like, I can't think of anybody that was doing really anything – innovative in sports nutrition for endurance athletes. And I was like, that's a damn shame. So I knew I couldn't like, you know, start Endurly like by offering like a sports drink or right off the bat, I needed something totally different that I knew would work to kind of give that kind of wow factor and then to build the brand upon that. And like, honestly, I didn't know if people were going to going to catch on to it at first because, you know, most of the endurance athletes, you know, a little more natural, a little more like lack of better term, a little more crunchy. Like they might be scared of caffeine or like all these other ingredients because they think they're not natural or clean or, or stuff like that. Um, what was my point there? Endurance athletes, crunchy, natural innovation. Creating supplements are like the meathead population. Endurance athletes are like, Oh, you know, I'm going to drink my, uh, you know, my, my filtered water from you know, France here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many supplements out there, like, that have been demonstrated to improve, like, various aspects of endurance performance, whether it's increasing focus, decreasing fatigue, uh, kind of buffering muscle acidity, slight increases in VO2 max, and all these other things. And it's just, like, it blew my mind that, like, nobody was using this. So, I mean, that's really the basis of Performalite is it has, you know, 10 ingredients demonstrated by significant bodies of research to improve various aspects of its performance, and most importantly, at the right dosages. So take the first one, like a big ingredient performally is, is the caffeine. We have, we have two types of caffeine. One is caffeine anhydrous, and yeah. one is um, Infinergy Dicaffeine Malate, which is more of an extended release caffeine. Now, most people, like endurance athletes, or maybe even some all athletes, 
kind of get turned off by caffeine. They're like, it's going to make me anxious. It's going to make me jittery. I'm going to have to poop my pants. Uh, you know, it's going to, you know, send my blood pressure and uh, heart rate through the roof. And that's just not the case when you put the right amounts in it. Like research has shown like caffeine can actually reduce some maximal heart rate um, uh, during endurance exercise. But with like caffeine, like outside of creatine or maybe an equal, like caffeine is one of the most studied ingredients in endurance athletes. I mean, then we're not talking about like caffeine and coffee. We're talking about like caffeine and hydrous. Like the way caffeine works is it basically helps delay fatigue and kind of keep the focus factor um, by competing with something called adenosine. Now, with adenosine, when the adenosine receptor binds to adenosine, you kind of feel tired and fatigued, but like caffeine gets in there when you ingest it, it kicks the adenosine receptor, you know, the hell out of there. So that's where you kind of feel alert, focused, and uh, you're, more, you're more energized. And especially when you start endurance exercise, a lot of times it's going to feel a lot easier and you may be able to run longer for stronger, you know, ingesting about general recommendations, three to six milligrams uh, of caffeine per kilogram body weight, about 60 minutes before exercise. Like, I don't think anything, anybody could argue with me that caffeine is not beneficial for endurance athletes specifically, and maybe like for soccer players. And then maybe to some extent for like more of your strength athletes too. So that's just, um, one of the ingredients in Perform Elite. And then you go on to things like uh, beta alanine. Now, now what's beta alanine? Beta alanine is basically, it's a muscle acidity buffer. So, you know, when you're running, biking, lifting, you know, whatever, at some point you're going to feel kind of like that muscle burn. And most people think like that's lactic acid. Lactic acid is not a thing. <laughs> like it's, just, it's not a complete myth, but that's, that's a conversation for a different day. Basically, you know, the, uh, the burning cessation or the fatigue comes from something called uh, muscle acidosis, um, especially through anaerobic glycolysis as uh, uh, things are broken down, hydrogen ions start to accumulate in the muscle and this causes the acidity, which causes the fatigue. So what the beta alanine is, is the way you can think of it is, is a muscle acidity buffer, extremely effective for keeping that muscle acidity down um, for efforts like lasting three to six minutes. Uh, very, very effective. So is the reason why you don't crash after taking this is because of that anhydrous? Cause it's a, he's saying it's extended release. So it's can, like Joe said, he still feels good because it's continuing to go. So it's like, if you slam the cup of coffee, then sometimes you might have that low crash. I never felt like that low after taking this. I know people yep. who have taken it say they feel pretty good for a while after. Yep. Yep. That's so that's, that's due to the caffeine, uh, Infinergy di-caffeine malate. So the purpose of the two caffeines in there is the caffeine anhydrous. There's, there's not a ton in there, but it'll kind of give you that initial hit where you feel alert and focused. And then the Infinergy di-caffeine malate takes over to give you that extended release. So with like a straight caffeine anhydrous, the half-life of that, depending on uh, your genetics and how you respond to caffeine can be anywhere from like, three to six hours. So if you're, you know, just slamming like 400 milligrams of caffeine and hydrates, you're going to be see a pretty significant spike energy, maybe jitteries, but you're going to crash really hard. But with the Infinergy di-caffeine malate, what happens is they take the anhydrous, they combine it with malic acid, and that just makes it break down a little bit slower. So you have more sustained release of caffeine in the bloodstream. Though I guess I can last up to six to eight hours without sending you like completely over the top, like, you know, some pre-workouts that have just massive amounts of caffeine. I was so, so I was so hesitant about taking it 
because I've taken some other ones and gastrically it's just, it's bothered me. So this mm -hmm. is not the case with the performantly unbelievable. So yeah, most, is, is that most the reason why? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a huge reason why one, because we don't overload it with caffeine, like combined total of caffeine in the product is right around <clears throat> 215 milligrams you know, compared to like a typical like pre-workout on the market, you're looking at like 300 to 400 milligrams on top of like, God knows what other stimulants are in some of these other products that just, I mean, your system like goes into overdrive and not in a good way. Like you may feel like a complete maniac when you go to the gym, but it's not going to last long. And like after effects, I mean, as you know, it can be, can be pretty terrible. So I know you have to stick to the, to the dosing because that's what it works because I played around with mixing. I mean, we'll talk about performally X after and what the difference is, but I played around with mixing it with some of that God of War crap that Mark And let me tell you, man, it was a mistake. It was – I took it before. I remember City Field Stadium Sprint last year. I'm in the corral and we're getting all revved up. And I'm like, if this gun doesn't go off, I might kill somebody. <laughs> My respiratory system and GI tract were like a European nightclub during the DJ. It was and I mean, I still had a good race, but I was revved up. I'm like, I never. I don't know if I take anything that said God of War in it. it God of War. There's a reason for it. And I realized that the dosing. I mean, it has to do with that, but I still know that some people will take the regular amount of dose and they still might feel like they have to go to the bathroom, at least initially. Is that because of the vasodilation? I mean, it kind of stimulates some things as well, and it's just part of that. Uh, yeah, caffeine gets things moving, and especially, too, like, if you're not caffeine tolerant or you're taking lower amounts of, like, caffeine, like, say if you're just, like, a cup of coffee guy in the day, you know, increasing to 200 milligrams might kind of offset or might kind of stimulate some <laughs> movements in the old bowel and clear things out a little bit. But as you get more used to it, that usually, that usually goes away. So like with performally, like I usually recommend, like if you're not caffeine tolerant, just start with a half scoop uh, for the first two or three weeks and then just kind of build up to the full scoop. So now, even if we're looking at high school, college athletes, sometimes, you know, sleep is a problem. There's a lot of stress. They got to get up early. There's all this stuff. Yep. If it was obviously something cleared and the parents said, yeah, we could try, you know, something that maybe they could try before. Maybe they have a long tournament. You know, they're playing like two, three games on a, on a weekend or they have like long, you know, weekday uh, games sometimes. And maybe it goes into overtime and they're, and they're up. So if they were to use something like this and then maybe also as well as include some type of carb source, you know, there's an intermission between the games, something to – get into the stomach as well could that yep. be a benefit for for you know a field athlete or is it mostly for endurance no absolutely like if we're talking like soccer you know like absolutely like it, i think like i almost consider like soccer a pretty pretty heavy endurance sport because i mean you have you know the aerobic you have the anaerobic you have specific demands to the sport so yeah i mean all of what you say rings true like the performance league could work really well for it like if you know a soccer game is what 90 minutes it goes into overtime multiple sessions throughout the day like you could do a scoop of performally and you know, probably one is all you need unless you're going to be going for more eight hours. So you do a scoop of performally. I mean, you could do a second one if you really, really want to halfway through, but it wouldn't be necessary. But then exactly like you said, that's when you'd kind of take over with like a carbohydrate based sports drink. 
um, to kind of keep the blood glucose elevated. Uh, and so you basically, your body has fuel to burn because I mean, you're going to burn through stuff pretty fast, especially with, you know, the nature of like, especially soccer between again, the anaerobic, uh, demands and the aerobic demands. So the, uh, the tingling and that sensation that people might feel, some people like it, some people it freaks them out. They feel like they're having a heart attack because they feel like their skin is crawling. What yep. is that? Is that obviously it's obviously safe. My face is still tingling from this morning's work. <laughs> Dude, I love it. You're raging, man. I always joke with newcomers. I'm like, if you want to see sound, get ready. Yeah. I'm telling you, I am still jacked up. I am like, yes. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, the, t the tingling is, is from the beta alanine in the product. It's, it's a completely harmless side, completely harmless side effect called paresthesia. It's, it really depends on a generic, genetic variation in your body. Uh, it's, it's called the MOS related gene. You can think of this as like a neural highway that runs through your body and ends in like the, the superficial uh, surfaces of the skin. So if your expression of this MOS related gene is, is pretty high, you're going to feel beta alanine, you know, it's going to tingle pretty good for a while, but don't, don't freak out. Usually the more you take it, it'll go away. And then usually within like 10 to 15 minutes of starting exercise, like that feeling will go away. Now, if it really bothers you, you can eat something with it too. And that usually minimizes the effect, but yeah, the beta, com completely harmless. And like you said, some people like it, some people find it completely annoying, but it's, you know, it's, it's not going to melt your face off. I promise. Nice. I wanted, I wanted to go back on, on Mike's, uh, point there about the athlete and then over time say you have a collegiate athlete who's you know can make their own decisions and they and they decide that they're going to take performally prior to the game and they have two games that day right mm -hmm. and i take the recover after the first game and the recover carry me through into the second game that's actually a good point. The recover elite, I wouldn't, I wouldn't actually take the recover elite unless you're doing, unless the matches are like kind of spaced out a little bit more. Like, I don't know what the spacing is between matches. Like if you're going to be waiting like two to three hours between matches, yeah. Yeah. the recover lead actually might be really, really well. It would be really, really good because it has um, both carbohydrates and protein and recovery, other recovery agents. So again, the carbohydrates will help uh, resaturate muscle glycogen. The protein in there will kind of help reduce that muscle protein breakdown. And then also like some of the amino acids, like within the recovery can help blunt fatigue and can be used as a fuel source too. So yeah, it, it would definitely not be a bad idea. I would just make sure that you have at least two hours of downtime before gotcha. your next tournament and you're, you're slamming it like right after your first match. Gotcha. So these drinks, you know, I think when you're know, talking to newcomers to supplements, they supplement the, the, the nutrition, it would be quick access, basically. So like we always use the example, after you're done working out on a hot summer day, nobody feels like eating a piece of chicken and pasta, right? Hell no. Hell so no. You want to drink something that can be cool and refreshing, but then after that, you want to actually follow it up with some food or something after. But this is to get it in there, you know, maybe let the GI system calm down from adrenaline, but something that your body can digest a little bit easier on the system. And then, you know, so like, for example, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like generally, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Like nobody, nobody wants to eat a burger after like a hot workout in the sun, like maybe a beer, but not a burger, but yeah. Like most people like think like proteins, like what you want to like consume immediately after exercise. Like people talk about this anabolic window, which is 
uh, you know, a complete myth. Is it going to hurt you to have protein after right after exercise? No, but it's probably, I'd say it's more important to have carbohydrate, like right after, you know, a match or endurance exercise, because this is when your muscle is most sensitive to up, like basically taking in the carbohydrates, converting it to glucose or to be taken up into the muscle as, uh, as glycogen. So, you know, general recommendation there is you want to slam about 1.2 to 2.2 grams of carbohydrates per kilogram body weight right after exercise. Um, and then with the protein, like, it's like I said, you, you can absolutely have protein after exercise. It's not going to hurt anything. But in terms of recovery, it's more about the total amount of protein you eat on a daily basis. That's way more important for recovery than having like, you know, that 20 grams of protein right after exercise. That's not going to make or break your recovery. That whole anabolic window uh, theory has kind of been dismissed in recent years. So speaking of heat, hydration, uh, we talk about what maybe, especially in the high school population, what I see is kids going to class, sipping on a Gatorade like it's a cocktail, putting Gatorade on ice and drinking it, but they haven't really done anything all day. Or they might be coming for a PT session, maybe they're sweating a little bit, and they got this full blast Gatorade going down. So, I mean, can we understand the difference between like what would be a good source of the hydration um, and maybe touch a little bit on, you know, the electrolytes. People think electrolytes are uh, correlated with muscle cramps, but apparently they're not. No, electrolytes are, are, yeah, muscle cramps aren't caused by lack of electrolytes. Muscle cramps are caused by like spasmatic nerve transmissions usually due to, you know, not training the way you're racing or training hard. I mean, maybe, maybe a little bit of electrolytes, but it's a very slim research on that. Um, so with, with hydration, um, you know, generally like coming into an exercise session, if you drink about 16 to 20 ounces of water or a quality sports drink about two hours beforehand, you're going to come in in a fully hydrated state um, where you're not going to have to like pee your pants every five minutes, right? Right, right. So, yeah. And then, and then after that, you know, What's it really look for like in a quality, in a quality drink. I mean, when you say that, what is something like the key components they're looking for? Well, let me, let me put it this, well, let me, let me put it this way. Like if you're going for like under an hour or less, you probably don't need a sports drink. Like you, you just don't, unless you just want something that tastes good and you want to drink on it. That's, that's fine. But if you're going above that hour mark, uh, what to look for in a quality sports drink, don't look for sugar water. Like, um, you know, the crappy, just stuff they put in some of ideally what you want in a quality of sports drink is a variety of different carbohydrate sources. You don't just want like a product that just has like fructose as a sugar because this can, I mean, this has the potential to cause GI distress because your body will utilize different carbohydrates in different ways and can only uptake so much of a certain amount. So like with say like with fructose, for example, and I think that's the main ingredient in Gatorade. If you're chugging that all day long, your body could only take up about 60 grams of, of that type of carb per hour. And, you know, if they're chugging a lot of Gatorade, that can cause some major GI distress because that's going to be sitting in your gut. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, you're going to feel like trash probably a lot of times. So ideally you want a combination of carbohydrates. So you're looking at your, your fructose, your sucrose, your glucose, I'm a huge fan of highly branched cyclic dextrin, which is you can consider like a really dense super carb that acts like a fast digesting carb that ton of great research showing it doesn't cause any like GI distress. 
And then you could add some more complex carb sources in there too, if you're gonna go really long. So you kind of have a continuum of fast, medium, and slow digesting carbohydrates with the goal of basically keeping that blood glucose elevated and sustained without spikes. And then you have the muscle glycogen in your body to spare for like those really hard intense efforts or if, you know, blood glucose starts running low later on during the session. So multiple carbohydrate sources. Um, with the electrolytes, I think it's important to have electrolytes in a sports drink, but that's more to maintain blood volume and maintain intercellular hydration. Like I said, it has nothing to do with cramps um, for the most part. So, and you don't, you don't need to go crazy on, on electrolytes. Like I see people like eat salt pills, like they're, they're damn candy. You don't, you don't need to do that. <laughs> like if you get a good uh, um, electrolyte, blend, like you want to, you want to do things outside of sodium. So sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium. Like if you get those electrolytes, you're, you're pretty good to go. Um, so those are two key components. I would never necessarily take a sports drink that has like protein in it. Like that's a terrible idea. Like a whey protein isolate or concentrate. Just, oh, good Lord. And they'll tell you like, oh, protein is the best thing because such and such and such. No, it's not. It's just going to make you poop your pants probably. Which would happen all the time. So like if you really want to do something like I'm, I'm a huge fan of putting like branch chain amino acids in sports drinks because one, they're broken down. They're not going to cause GI distress. And then, you know, most people think like branch chain amino acids equal recovery, which they do, but like for endurance sports, I mean, they can do a lot of cool things. They can blunt fatigue by competing with tryptophan in the brain. They can be used as a energy source and they can reduce muscle protein breakdown, which like in a, you know, two hour event that can, that can lead to some pretty significant gains in performance. So that's, that's kind of what I look for in a sports drink. Multiple carbohydrate sources, electrolytes, branched chain amino acids. And the last thing I would look at is I would make sure it has at least 30 grams of carbohydrates per serving. Now you make a sports drink too, right? The Sustain Elite? Yeah, and it's going to totally sound like a shameless plug because that's what mine has in it. <laughs> <laughs> but this, that, that's not because like I – that's that's because of what works. Like that's right, the only reason right. I do it. Like I mean, so, I think Mike knows me well enough that I'm not a big product pusher, and I let the product speak for themselves. So yeah, um, well, I always saw it as you do the education, and you said this is what you're looking for. This is what we're discussing here, and then you talk about your products have those things in it, which is why, again, I think you mentioned that they are they are the price that they are because you're paying for actual ingredients. And when you look at the right ingredients, they do cost money to basically harvest and put in there, whereas other products are cheaper because they're skimping on it or they don't have it. Or you're basically, you know, you're basically eating filler, you know? Well, yeah, like an example is like in sports drink, like go and after you talk to me, go to any, any company that sells like a sports drink and I can almost, I would bet the farm on it. You're going to see the first ingredient listed, something called maltodextrin. And people will praise maltodextrin. These companies are like, oh, maltodextrin is so great. It's, it's awesome. No, it's not. The only reason you put it in there is it's like pennies on the dollar. And the way maltodextrin is made is they take corn, they smash it, liquid comes out, freeze dry it, turn it into a sugar, and you drink it. And it's like maltodextrin is terrible. Like so much GI distress from like maltodextrin. It's, just, it's, it's, it's garbage is basically what it is. Like maltodextrin is garbage. So what prevents cock diesel at GNC from listening to this podcast? 
kind of looking at your label and saying, you know what, I'm going to get with my buddies and we're going to make this. <laughs> you know, absolutely nothing. Like that's, I don't like have at it if you really want to do it. Like I never, I've never built the company around like the products. It sounds really weird. Like I, I fully knew like people could like try to copy the formulas all day long and want, but I've never built the brand around that. Like I've just, I put my trust in the customer to basically, you know, place some value in what I'm providing through the content and education. And then the products just kind of take care of themselves. But, you know, beyond that too, like making the supplement is like pretty hard, like the proper way to blend it. So you get a homogenous mix. So it doesn't clump, um, you know, the testing that goes behind it, you know, and then especially like with the flavoring, like flavoring is the hardest part of the formula. Cause honestly, like a lot of these ingredients are very bitter or very pungent. So like, and that takes years to learn how to flavorize. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, the marinara muscles from GNC, you know, who wants to make stuff in his bathtub with his, with his bros are, are not going to be able to do it. And if they can, like making a supplement's one thing, but then like actually trying to like sell a supplement, it's, it's really hard. Like you, you're competing, especially in the gym space against some big ass companies that have a lot bigger wallet than you. So like, you, you can make, the, you know, a great product, but you better have a pretty good strategy for how you want to sell that. Otherwise, you will not last more than like, you will not last more than three months in this industry. Like literally, when I was consulting, I would get 10 emails a day for a person that wants to start a supplement company, like an accountant out of Florida for example, want to start a company. I'm like, what the, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, dude, you have no idea. No. Yeah. No, and they, yeah. like, everybody thinks it's like so easy, like, but running a supplement company is going to be exciting. Hard. Oh, wow. Well, well, that's, that's a good, I mean, oh, that's, that's pretty fun. I just lost my train of thought there. That's, I'm, I'm still laughing. <laughs> well, I mean, you definitely hit the nail on the head with the flavors because the flavors do work and you do ask feedback, but I know some people like they'll give like when you hear them talk about, you know, what, what are some new things and they come up with these like crazy things. Like I want it to taste like this, but go down smooth. And just some of these flavors just aren't like natural unless you're adding in these extra dyes and stuff, which yep. I've noticed a lot of sports drinks, like they've gotten way off the deep end with all these crazy flavors, like the mango tropical blast and all this other stuff. And it's like, there's like 15 different flavors. <laughs> the amount of dyes they got put in it. I'm like, Oh my God. So yeah, well, it's, it's natural. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like with us, like performance first, flavor second. That's the way it's, well, safety, performance, flavor. That's the way it has always been and will always be like, if I, like, if I make a, you know, a bang flavor that tastes awesome, but you know, it doesn't work. Like what's the point? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say that I think that as the company has been getting its name out there more, there are more and more athletes who are definitely attesting to the product. I mean, they're being honest and humble about it. They say either I like it or it works or, you know, I'm just not into it, whatever. But there seems to be a lot of positive feedback. So with what you're doing here, where are you going now further with the company? Like what stuff are you going to be moving forward with? Like product-wise? Product-wise, education-wise, event, you know, event-wise, where's Durley going? Well, I mean, first and foremost, you always, I mean, you know this, we're always a company built on like the education. So that will always be our top priority is like producing 
top quality, unique content that people find helpful. Like that's, that's priority number one at Enderly. Like we'll never deviate. Like if the company shut down tomorrow, didn't sell products, <clears throat> we would still, we would still pump out the content just cause I don't know if I wasn't, if I wasn't doing what I was doing, I'd be a teacher and the content helped he kind of stay on track with that. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, that's objective number one. And then objective number two, like, <clears throat> Is, is obviously creating quality products. I'm not just going to put something out because it's popular or because like it's the next fad. Like I'm not going to probably, you know, I don't know what the big fad is now. It seems like, I don't know, vegan supplements, which again, nothing wrong with it, but I'm, I'm not going to chase that. Like I have, I have no, you know, desire to chase that or the next hot and stimulant ingredient. Like I'm, I'm not going to do that. So, I mean, obviously keep on going with innovative products, but I, I take my time on those. You know, I probably have like a backlog of five years of products I want to release, but these things take my due diligence to go through and actually do the research and then do the testing on them and things like that. So, you know, if I find something that I like that there's a need in the market for and nobody else is, is doing the research matches, you know, the safety efficacy and things like that. And I feel if it provides a benefit, then I'll release it. If it doesn't, I don't like, for example, the newest product coming out is, is, is an immune supplement and it has nothing to do with like COVID or any of this other stuff. Like it does seems to be a hot thing right now. People are doing these immune supplements for COVID, but this, I've had this idea for like, you know, three years, it just took to finding the right ingredient and it's an immune supplement called uh, beta glucan, which, um, is basically been shown to significantly reduce upper respiratory tract infections and other kind of like immune deficiencies, which as an endurance athlete, I don't know if you guys have ever felt it like after like hard training blocks or hard races, it seems like you might get sick or you're coughing up a lung and things like that. Yeah. You definitely feel that in the chest sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because the immune system is depressed after like hard races and exercise. So the beta glucan, like tons of great research on it. Um, the formula is really simple. It's just one ingredient, but it works. And like nobody else in sports nutrition is, is using it because, well, one, they don't know, or two, they haven't like delved into actually doing, you know, the research behind right. these certain problems. And that's, that's the way we always start with a product is like, what, what need or what problem do we want to address? And then we can formulate products off of that. Well, we know the recovery is the big thing also, you know, you got all these things now, like the whoop strap is big. People are looking at their strain, all that. Um, yep. I know I love the sleep elite product. That shit is like a horse tranquilizer. I love placebo because I've given it to other people to try and it knocked them out. They woke up and they didn't know where the hell they were. Yep. They, they feel great. I mean, that is an awesome recovery thing too. So you haven't tried that yet, Joe. Try that. The sleep elite is just. I don't amazing. usually have a problem with sleeping. I usually hit the pillow and I'm out in 10 seconds, but I will try it. Yeah, and that's that's like this thing with most of these products. Like, if you don't need them, don't get them. Like, yeah, just don't. Like, I'll I'll never tell you like you need something, but if you're experiencing things like 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 Mike said, like sleep problems, because like with me, like my mind goes like eight thousand miles per hour, like twenty four seven. I need something to calm me the f down at night, and you know, like came out of the necessity of me needing something, and then you know, just a, a lot of endurance athletes experience the same thing, um, whether it's due to just like training late at night or overtraining or just other demands of, of life. Um, it's where the, yeah, this is where the product was born out of for that one. Now, again, they could find out about all that information, obviously on the Endurlead site and look at the ingredients in there and what it consists of and why they're, you know, beneficial. So they can make that decision if they want to try it and understand what they're putting in their body. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like every product on the Endurly page, we usually will have a video that goes along with me talking about, uh, you know, why we made it, the ingredients, why we use that ingredient and dosages. And then beyond that, we'll have a list of the ingredients, a brief summary of what we do that will link to a big article on the proper way to use it and, and whatnot. Just and that's, that's what I want people to do. Like I want people to take the time to explore you know, these articles and watch the video before making a decision because that's, that's just the way you should do things with supplements as opposed to, you know, getting, you know, God of war with the almighty Zeus, you know, riding a shark with a machine gun or something like that. <laughs> Although when you take the sleep elite, you might have dreams like that. You might, you, mo you most definitely probably will. They, yeah, I want to, I haven't, well, that's the funny thing is I, when I go to sleep, I really don't dream. So maybe I get some good dreams out of this stuff. Mike. Oh, if you, <laughs> it has possible title series in it, which, oh man, if you, if you take it, you will have some wild dreams, man. It's really? Crazy. All right. Oh, very All right. wild, lucid dreams. Yep. <laughs> I'm up for it. What are you um, working on right now? What can you share that is on the cusp of something that you want to release next or working on in the lab? Oh, I, I think you know my big one is, is that transdermal carbohydrate patch. Like, I really want to do with that one. Like, all signs, like, are pointing to it working, but there's just, there's so many hoops to jump through, through, like, a transdermal patch with the FDA and the delivery mechanism and things like that. And then figuring out like how much of a carbohydrate can be absorbed through the skin and what you need to combine it with exactly for that to happen. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously the, the really big one that could be a game changer for a lot of people because well, gels are disgusting, at least in my humble opinion. Um, so we'll do that. Um, and then honestly, what we'll probably do next is we'll probably start working on like the X series of a, of joint and sleep elite, which <laughs> X series of sleep is going to be insane. The, uh, for the listeners, what's the X series? Because you do have the X, X products. What are they? So the X series just it represents like it's my personal formulations if like considering no expense. So it's like a no expense of variation of like the core products. So like, hey, I, I get it. The products are like expensive. So that's why we have these two different levels of products. Ones that are, you know, higher price but reasonable. But then kind of like the creme de la creme on top of that, like if, if money is no issue and expense is no issue, this is how exactly I would formulate a product. And then again, I like for the performance docs, like I know like a lot of people don't want to pay $70 for a pre-workout, like totally get it. But um, that's kind of the difference for the X-series. So the X-series will usually feature a few more ingredients compared to our, our core products or higher dosages too of those certain ingredients. But at the same time, people can make that choice where they say, you know what, I have a hard time getting prepped up for a workout because I have a crazy, crazy day. So maybe they would spend more money on, on a pre-workout and then say, you know what, I do pretty good with my dinners and my meals. I might not need a whey protein or I don't need the, you know, recovery or something. I, you know, I get home right away and I can, I can eat or I work out at home. I can go right up and eat. So they can kind of pick and choose maybe where they want to put the money for all of it instead of getting all the stuff and going overboard and they can start from there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's whatever you're comfortable with. You just got to make the right decisions for you and your needs and, and things like that. But I will say like the Perform Elite X, that's probably our second best selling product right now. Oh, yeah. Just cause, oh yeah. If you, yeah, there's, sound, there is a, we'll mix it with God of War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. Don't right. do that. Do not mix. Right. Your face might actually melt if you do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my one at that race. 
um, so yeah, then beyond that, like the future of Endure Elite, I don't know. We'll just we kind of take it day by day, and it's it's kind of like the same thing with like running. If at ever any point like it, it's not fun anymore. Because I mean, that's the thing right now. Like I'm having a, I'm having a boat ton of fun like doing this and interacting with like people like you and other people in the family of fast and writing great content and products. And, you know, I'll keep on doing that until, um, it doesn't become fun or, um, or just who knows, you know, who knows what happens in the supplement industry. Lots of crazy stuff happens sometimes. So, but yeah, we'll just, we'll just keep on plugging away and sticking to our original mission. And I mean, that's, it's, it's pretty simple. Just keep on doing the things we've been doing. And I don't think I can go wrong that way. Where would we find these products, Matt? Uh, the only place we sell them is, is on the website at EnduraElite.com. Like I have, I have no interest in selling on Amazon or at GNCs or any other place just so I can maintain brand integrity and not have mm-hmm. to water down my products to appease some you know, investor. Didn't a company contact you and ask if you could reduce the quality of the products, like and charge it for cheaper and put it on the shelf? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like I forget what that was like eight months ago. Like somebody offered me a significant amount of money for the company. Like I could have probably retired and they're like, what we're going to need you to do though, is we're going to need you to change the formulations, lower the dosages and they want to do proprietary blends. And I basically told them to eat shit. <laughs> like, I did because like I've I've never done this. Like people never believe me when they say this, but I, I'm not doing this for the money. Like I have not collected a salary for Endurly. Everything goes back in to developing products or like we've given away probably close to one hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars since inception towards like trail organizations or charitable contributions, things like that. So it's it's like Endurly. Best way to push it is, is it's like it's a passion project mm-hmm. project for me. If I end up making some money off of it, great. But if I don't, I don't. I don't really care. Now, if people have questions and they go to the website, is there a spot that they can email, message, and say, "Hey, I'm looking at this product. I have a question, or can you explain a little bit more about this?" And I'm interested in using, or maybe a parent's like, "You know, I have some questions about this for my son or daughter. You know, where could they do that?" Yeah, right when you go to the website, there's a little uh, like a little question bubble on the lower right hand side of the screen, and then you just hit that, and you can submit your questions. And uh, you know we have our support channel, but for like the more, uh, what's the right word? The more detailed answers, or if you're looking for more like the reasoning behind the products, like I, I'm on the support channel probably like two hours a day answering questions. So I'm not one of those you know CEOs that just sits back and goes golfing all day. I'm actively involved in every part of the business. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So we, I, when we end the shows here, we always like to find out or ask, where can we find you personally? Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> oh, he's popping in and out. Of, like, <laughs> he took it down. He had to contact. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Like I know a lot of people have like social media accounts, and I tried that for a while, but like. I, I really struggle with social media. Like I, I have a hard time with it just because I am very OCD and stuff like that. So the hard part about social media, like when I had it up is like, I would literally have 200 messages a day, like people wanting to answer questions, which I love to do, but like it became almost too much like to answer all those and then run other parts of the business and then have family time and time for me to exercise and stuff like too. And plus, yeah, like I said, Oh, I, I, I absolutely stupid videos too yeah yeah so i just oh, social media is just, I, social media is just really hard for me just yeah how about indoor lead how about indoor leads themselves you can find that on instagram correct 
Yeah, yep. We have Enderlead on Instagram and on Facebook. And yeah, um, we'll have videos like uh, my face will pop up with her from time to time doing like educational videos and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, we're definitely, those are the places you'll find us. Facebook, Instagram, we have a great YouTube channel. I think we have over... 500 videos on the YouTube channel of me jabbering about stuff. And then we have close to 900 articles on the site now. So between the videos, the articles and like being able to ask questions directly, you if you want to get a hold of me bad enough, you'll get a hold of me. Awesome. Awesome. Michael, where can they find you? At iCourse uh, underscore St. George on Instagram and then Mike St. George on Facebook. All right. You can find me at at coach underscore Haas. That's on Instagram at coach underscore Haas. Matt, this was two hours of clearly I was wow. the quiet one here. I was listening. I was getting educated. The people are going to love this. I can't wait to download this and, and plaster all over social media, but awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, this this was a great, great two hours. Thank you so much for your time. I know that your time is valuable, so thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's great to just have a trusted source that you could direct people to and say, hey, go here, find out some stuff, and feel really confident about that. And also have members and athletes that can attest get to it. Get your products. Get your products. Early commercial. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Hey, listen, hopefully we can have you on again. So, I, again, I thank Anytime. you. Anytime. All right, boys, we're out of here. This was awesome. Have a great night. Talk to you soon, Matt. Talk to you guys. Yep. See you guys later. All right. Yeah. Easy.